Well, this morning we obviously have changed some plans and uh, a few announcements to bring to your attention that will highlight some of this. We obviously postponed our Operation Christmas Child auction that we were hoping, dessert auction we were hoping to have uh, today. So I wanted just to make you, uh, let you know about that. We're hopeful. We're going to try for next Sunday. We still, obviously, things right now, it's day-to-day for almost everything. So we don't know what this week will hold. Uh, if the weather be good enough to be outside, n- we're just not sure. So right now, tentatively, we're hoping next week we could do a uh, gathering uh, for our Operation Christmas Child Dessert Auction. You can still sign up on the church website for that or contact Karen Kanegi. And really what we want to do next Sunday, if we're able to gather outside again, the weather's nice enough, we're encouraging everybody to bring a picnic lunch. Bring your sack lunch, bring it in a cooler, bring a sack lunch, whatever you want to do. Uh, pick something up on your way into church. And I thought we'd have our service and then we could just hang out in the parking lot if we're able, uh, do our dessert auction and just eat lunch together, uh, socially distanced outside. It's been working well, so I encourage you uh, come on out. Um, hopefully we'll be doing our baptisms next week as well. That's our plan right now. Uh, and with our Operation Christmas Child Project, we have items of the week we collect. Every year we do this to collect items that are going to go in those shoe boxes that are going to get sent really around the world. We were going to have a flyer for you in your worship folder this week. We will email that out to you instead this week. But um, this week we've got items. If you want to purchase them, bring them into the office. We'll start collecting them. We've got pencil, notebooks, Pencil sharpeners, pens, and erasers this week. So all the writing utensils and, and uh, paper notebooks as well. Each week we'll have a different item listed in the worship folder. And as I said, a, a half sheet will email home and put in the worship folder next week so you can plan ahead accordingly to help us gather some of that stuff that's going to get sent. Uh, real uh, tangible needs, things that we send in those shoeboxes around the world. Also, w- one more time, I want to mention our women's retreat we're going to do. Joy Smith is going to take a, a group of women. I know a few of you have already expressed some interest out to um, Black Lake Bible Camp on October 3rd. It's just a day retreat, no, not overnight, but just we'll drive out, drive back. It's only a couple hours away. Uh, $35 for a great day retreat. Time just to be with some women. What a great opportunity just to get away a little bit uh, and um, spend some time with some women of our church. And then finally, uh, we're going to be jumping back into Genesis soon. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. We had Genesis beginnings where we cha- covered chapters 1 through 11. We'll get into the life of Abraham. And we are going to have some of those Genesis journals available for you again, which were uh, ESV Bibles of the book of Genesis with page places for notes in the side. We'll have those available next week for $5. Um, so I uh, wanted just to let you know about that so you could be prepared. If you didn't get one in our last Genesis series, as we start again, we will have those out. Well, this morning I just want to spend a brief time finding comfort together. Uh, This has probably been one of the most devastating weeks our county has ever experienced in the middle of one of the strangest years we've all ever had, really. Someone in our church posted this week online uh, a meme or a little uh, slide on Facebook that said, unprecedented, a word I could go the rest of my life without ever hearing again. I get it. Uh, Everything seems unprecedented right now. From the pandemic, to the strange school year, to the mask, to the windstorm earlier this week, now to these fires. I'm all for it. Let's have a time, again, that is unprecedented. I could go for that. I know you could, too. But even in the midst of this unprecedented natural disaster, we need to take some time this morning just to see what God might be wanting us to see and hear and know on this this, this smoky, uh, foggy day we have outside. I'm sure this week you've been flooded by emotions, grief, 
worry, questions, why us, God, why our area? Maybe sadness at hearing at the loss of life, of property, the chaos many of us have gone through to relocate, people and things and animals. It's, it's just exhausting. So I want to take a moment to talk about some of the things that disasters show us. Because while we don't know why God allows certain things to happen, and we shouldn't also try to assign godly motives or reasons to a tragedy like some do when they say a tragedy happened as God's specific judgment for some specific sin, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't speak where God hasn't spoken. But as Christians, we do know a few things that disasters show us. We have a framework that, while not comprehensive, can give us hope in the midst of a disaster. So let's look at a few things this morning uh, that disasters show us. Just a few things. Here's the first I want us to talk about and think about. Disasters can, not always, but they can make us think more clearly. Now, that's not always the case. When we're in the midst of packing a car and maybe speeding away from our house, evacuating, as I know some of you have. But as I was saying in one of our check-in videos this last week, if you saw, if we pause and just let the moment impact us, as Christians, there are a few clear things God reminds us of when disaster, tragedy, natural disaster strikes. And while not pleasant, and lessons we don't want to think about a lot, they're critical if we are to understand the world and our place in it as followers of Christ and, and our mission in it. Here's the first one. First lesson that, that disasters remind us of that life is fleeting. We are small. Some friends were in our backyard having a barbecue this past Monday on Labor Day, and we were talking about the unpre- unprecedented, unprecedented windstorms that were coming. And sure enough, just as we were wrapping up uh, our barbecue, which I'm glad we did it around lunchtime, the winds began to pick up. And they began to get stronger through the night. And increasingly, more earlier in the week, the winds came. And the sky darkened. And it turned that orange-red. And all of a sudden, that next day, we woke up, and it was still dark at 9 a.m., like it was dusk. And then later in this week, the smoke has descended upon us. And on some of Malala and some of the outskirts of our area, the fire's even closed in. It's not very hard to feel small. I think of Camby and uh, I think of Camby in the outskirts the Malala all week. We've been watching this, this fire map. I know all of you have been watching it and seeing the fire close in. It's a sobering thing. We're fragile. We know even by the stories this week, the tragic story of what happened to the the Tofty family that I mentioned in my prayer. It's a reminder that we are constantly vulnerable to forces outside of our control, and none of us like to feel that. Uh, Isaiah 40 is going to be a passage we springboard off today. So if you've got your Bible, uh, open to Isaiah 40 now. I'll give you a second to do that. Uh, The big book somewhere in the middle of your Bible, um, after Psalms and Proverbs, or after the wisdom literature there, turn to Isaiah 40 with me. And I want you to have it open because we're going to read uh, a few of the verses in it today. 
but this is what Isaiah 40, we're look at verses 6 through 8, tell us as the prophet was addressing God's people. This idea of feeling fragile and vulnerable. He said, and, and small. He said, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? And the response was, all flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Nineteen years ago this week, we all, every one of us, felt very small when the two World Trade Center, Center towers were attacked and fell. We felt helpless, under attack, vulnerable. And isn't it so interesting every year on the anniversary, when we have this anniversary, the hashtag never forget is the most commonly used. Never forget, hashtag never forget. And I think we mean, when we post that on Facebook and Instagram, I think we mean that we will never forget the loss of life, the heroic efforts of first responders, and then the aftermath in those coming weeks, months, and years. Uh, but while all of this is it's right to do, I think we all truly never forget where we were and what happened in a moment like that because of the emotional impact it had on how, how small we felt in that moment, how vulnerable we felt in that moment, how fleeting, like grass, the, the Isaiah says, or flowers, how fleeting life seemed when we thought it could have just as easily been me in that plane. Isaiah tells us, surely flowers beauty. Grass fades even quickly just by the breath of the Lord blowing upon it, it fades. So how does Isaiah, how does he counter hashtag never forget that our life is so, so, so brief like, like a vapor? He says essentially, yeah, we don't last. We come and go. And we have for generation after generation on this earth. But do you know Something has remained. The word of God. His word, Isaiah said, in verse 8, he said, will stand forever. It's a fascinating, weird thought. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about the fact that this book, this powerful message it contains, I mean, we come and go. Generations come and go. The ones who originally saw the history in this book and the stories and, and wrote it down, they are long gone. Thousands of years. And yet, it's still here. And it's still true. And the promise it promises it contains will come to pass. The story that it has will, will remain and stand. And will go someday too. We will pass. Isaiah says the flowers fade. It'll still be here. And the spirit that brings this, this to, to come to pass and to fruition in people's hearts and lives. It's in times like these when we don't have a lot of answers to the questions of why is this happening? Or God, why, why did you allow this to happen? We must run to his word, Isaiah says, because we are fleeting. But this lasts. And when we come to it, in it we find the promises and comfort to persevere when disaster strikes and we just feel like giving up maybe. So when we're reminded that life is fleeting and we're small, 
and natural disasters and fire maps make us feel that. Let that push us into what is lasting and real and full of life. It's the Word of God. Well, if our first reminder was that natural disasters make us remember that we're small and life is fleeting and that death comes to us all, but the word of the Lord stands. Here's another one. Disasters on this earth point to a better earth. All this week, the language to describe the fires has been natural disaster. And that's the language that's used whenever there's an earthquake, a tsunami, hurricanes, fires like we've had, you hear the language of natural disaster. Uh, You know, it's kind of like in many ways how we hear people say sometimes, you know, death is just a natural part of life. As if to negate the sting of it by somehow disarming it or the fear of it by saying, hey, it's just a natural part of life. But I want to say this this morning. There's actually nothing natural about a natural disaster. It's not natural, actually. It's, it, it's unnatural in the same way death is not natural. They're common, and death is, and, and a lot of these natural disasters are common, but they're not natural. What do I mean by that? We know this. As we think back to our Genesis beginning series that we did, and we're going to look forward, as I said, to getting into the life of Abraham in a couple weeks, the world began, as Genesis records, with perfect peace. A world of complete shalom. Remember back to Genesis 1. Here's a couple verses from it. God blessed them. That was Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And it was evening and morning on the sixth day. It, it, w- it was a paradise, perfect paradise. No natural disasters. The natural state, meaning the one in which God created the world, was one of peace and harmony between everything and everyone and every creature and between God and man. No lungs and eyes burning with smoke. They walked in the perfect, cool peace of the garden with God. That was the natural state. As I was driving around this week, we all know it. As we look through a blanket of smoke, we know it. This is not a natural disaster. This is unnatural. Things aren't supposed to be this way. I mean, didn't you feel that as you looked up at that menacing blood orange sky this week? It's not supposed to be like this. And maybe you're watching today and for the first time even in your life, this unnatural, natural disaster has caused you to realize it's not supposed to be this way. This isn't supposed to happen or be natural. The earth isn't supposed to be this way. Paul recognized that in Romans 8 when he said, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What a great opportunity we have in this moment to point to a better earth. I mean, if what we are experiencing right now isn't creation groaning under the weight of sin entering the world, 
with pandemic and fires and, and, and unrest. I don't know what is. This world, natural disasters show us, are, is marred, broken by sin. And because of that, we have unnatural natural disasters. But Isaiah knew that the world of God's people at that time, when he wrote Isaiah 40 to them, ravaged by war and their own sin and alienation from God, he knew it wasn't the only world there would ever be. In verses 9 through 11 of chapter 40, he said this to him: Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those with young. See what Isaiah is saying there in chapter 40? He is telling them of what regardless of what the circumstances look like, whether it is war, as he mentions in chapter 40, we'll see in a minute, pandemic, riots, fires, the promises of and the message of God is trustworthy and reliable regardless of what it looks like. And so he says to them, get up on the high mountain and speak it. Lift up the voice with strength, he says. You know, we think natural disasters are strong. No, no, no. Tell of his mighty arm that rules. And herald the good news, Isaiah says, that he will come to gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom. What could be more secure than that? Secure and safe with gentleness, Isaiah says. That's our message. That's the hope that we have. He says, speak it without fear even. These truths of the Bible says that the word of the Lord will stand, and that's the word. My sister-in-law has this great sign in her bathroom, and with the way 2020 is going, I know, I just know we all feel like this. Here's, here's her sign. It says this, how do I unsubscribe from 2020? Each one of us has said that this year, or, or at least thought, I hate 2020. I wish it was over. How do I unsubscribe from this year? And it's a funny kind of joke and a funny uh, meme, I guess, picture. But when we do that, we're denying that God has us here right now for a purpose. We think this this has got to be some accident that I'm living through 2020 the way it is. We're denying that he's sovereign. And he wants us, as Isaiah said, as they had hard times, harder than us probably, He wants us to get up on a high mountain and herald the good news, even if we might be tempted to fear given what the surrounding circumstances look like. You know, the light shines brightest against the dark or in the haze of smoke that we're experiencing right now. People feel the world is coming to an end right now. And we don't know that. Generation after generation thinks that their moment's the moment. We don't know that. But I will say the general 
tenor and tone, or that people feel that this is a, a, a unique apocalyptic type of age, whether they're religious or not, spiritual or not. And we in that moment can lift up our voices and point as we look at this world crumble to a better world to come. This week, as I looked up at that blood orange sky, I could not help but think of uh, one of my favorite books, uh, the trilogy Lord of the Rings. I couldn't help but think of, of Mordor and the Lord of the Rings. It's the land where the evil resides and has power. And I couldn't help but think of Frodo and his task to approach the fiery mountain, uh, Mount Doom in the land of Mordor. He had this great task or journey to go up on the mountaintop, kind of as Isaiah said, get up on the mountain. And he had this mission to drop that ring which had caused so much trouble, so much evil that had fallen into his hand, drop that ring into the fiery lake of lava. The setting, as Tolkien describes, is much like what we've seen this week. Dark, smoky, ashy, hot, stifling, oppressive, defeating. With something, you know, as you read the book, as you look outside, you would never choose to go through. Add to that all the rest of 2020. In fact, you might want to say, you want to unsubscribe from it, what we've been going through. And Frodo he said just that to Gandalf, the wise wizard. But it's Gandalf's response to Frodo in that response that the truth of Isaiah 40 shines brightly. Listen to their short little exchange. Frodo said, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. Well, so do I, said Gandalf. A and so do all who live to see such times, but that's not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given us. I mean, isn't it just possible that we are here in 2020 for a reason? And yet we're all saying, I wish it need not have happened in my lifetime. Bethany Church has a purpose in 2020 and beyond. God's people have always had a, a purpose whatever place and time he has set them. And Acts, the book of Acts says that he's appointed our times and places and our boundaries. We don't get to unsubscribe. In fact, what Isaiah is saying, what the word of the Lord says is, God subscribed us for such a time as this. To glorify him with how we go through the trials. Not going to mortar, but getting up on the high mountain of our land, our area, lifting up our voice. Lift it up, Isaiah says, and fear not. What will you and I do with the time that's given to us? When the master comes to see how his servants have been using their resources and time, what will he say about us? I think disasters remind Christians of a better world to come and our role our task, as Isaiah told the people of God, to speak up about it. Speak up with hope and truth and joy in the midst of trials. But it's not just that our message is about the place itself, the new earth that will come, but it's about who we will find there, Jesus Christ. So the third thing we close with today 
that disasters remind us of is that disasters on earth remind us and point us to our need of Jesus. The beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah 40 passage, which we're actually working through it backwards. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but we are. The beginning of our passage in Isaiah is full of such comfort. And it, it, it's a familiar uh, a few verses to a lot of you. So look down if you've got your Bible up in Isaiah 40, 1 through 5, or listen along. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her voice cries. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and of all flesh shall, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a great passage of comfort this is. It speaks of a great transformation of a desolate land, a barren landscape. Valleys would be lifted. Mountains would be transformed. The uneven ground would be made nice and smooth and level. It's a picture of a remade world and a king that would visit that world. And, and a wonderful refreshment that would come. Refreshment not only when Jesus Christ came the first time, but refreshment that would come the second time in the person of Jesus Christ. Here's what we know and what a passage like this can affirm. Unnatural, natural disasters are temporary. They are temporary. The World Meter website of coronavirus that I know a lot of us have been checking in the earlier weeks, following the cases, that website won't get to predict forever what is happening. The Clackamas County evacuation map won't get the final say. E even the devastating photos we've seen from Detroit Lake and other areas don't get the final say. So don't lose hope. Be hopeful for yourself, for your family, for your neighbors, for our town, for our state. We can love people through the trials of life not with a phony optimism or, or tone-deaf happiness. No, no, we grieve with those who grieve. We lament, as we should, for the loss of, of life and, and property. We lament with those who've lost, but we do so with hope, with a future that, 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 that natural disasters don't get the final say because Jesus Christ has redeemed the world. The king has come into this world. He's making it right. He's redeeming lost sinners. And he will remake the entire cosmos into something new. Do you know what is truly unprecedented? Truly unprecedented now. Our home that Jesus Christ will bring to us. And the state of that world. When Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is after John has described this new heaven and earth. And death shall be no more, he writes. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Unnatural, natural disasters will be part of the former things that will have passed away. Pandemics will be part of the former things that have passed away. How about masks? We'll all cheer for that one. They'll be part of the former things that have passed away. Tragedies like 9-11 will be part of the former things that have passed away. Fires, pestilence, earthquakes, famine will be part of the former things that have passed away. Death will be part of the former things that have passed away. Sin will be part of the former things that have passed away. We desire, we know about, a better country. As the author of Hebrews writes, it's a heavenly one. Oh, that you and I could see that future, better country, even clearer than we see our current world. What a message we could bring to our neighbors. What a message of hope. We're clearly not the first ones who have gone through something like what's happened to our community with the recent fires. The Puritan poet Anne Bradstreet wrote a poem entitled Upon the Burning of Our House. It was a recounting of the real burning of her home and the night when she awoke terrified in bed when it happened. And she recounts, she's honest, the real loss and heartache, as we should. Here's some of her words. My sorrowing eyes aside did cast, and here and there the places spy, where oft I sat and long did lie. Here stood that trunk, and there that chest. There lay that store I counted best. My pleasant things in ashes lie. And then behold, no more shall I. But she finishes the poem by proving herself to be one who who understood the unprecedented home to come. And she ended her poem with this hope. You see it up in front on the screen. And the word pelf means money. It's kind of a strange word. She said, there's wealth enough, I need no more. Farewell my pelf money, farewell my store. The world no longer let me love. My hope and treasure lies above. Let us think clearly in this moment. Let this moment point us to a better earth and the Savior Jesus who will take us there, or rather, bring it to us. So we can be a people who live like an unprecedented people, who have an unprecedented Savior and an unprecedented message and an unprecedented home where with comfort, 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 Isaiah repeats, we will come. Let's pray as we finish in worship in a moment. Jesus, give us that comfort today, as Isaiah said. Comfort, comfort, gently, my people. Speak tenderly to not only Jerusalem, but to all your people, to our town. Fill us with the hope, Lord, that we have an unprecedented Savior, an unprecedented new world coming, an unprecedented message for those in our community. And let this dark moment be a moment that points us to that, lets us think clearly, and respond as light in the darkness with those who have true hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
close by singing Jesus is better together.
wrap up this morning, I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you um, know that even though life is fleeting and these disasters point us to that, as verse 8 said in our chapter 40, the word of the Lord stands forever. And what we see now in the here and now uh, won't get to be uh, the final say. The former things will have passed away and you know what will remain? A beautiful bride. A beautiful church. People redeemed, standing, cheering, celebrating living a life in a new world. And I mean a new world that's physical. A new world where we'll do things. It's not just airy clouds we'll sit on with harps forever. It's not that. That's not the picture of heaven the Bible gives us. It's more like a city than anything where we'll live together without those former things and we'll all be so grateful. More grateful for the future things, actually for having gone through the former things. I think that's one of the ways God uses them. It'll make gratitude of heaven that much clearer, crisper, and fuller in our experience of it. Well, look this week. Follow uh, us on social media if you're not. Look for your inbox for emails this week. We'll update you, obviously, as things are day-to-day right now. As I said, if you know of needs in the community or uh, other places that need help, uh, whether it's financially or uh, with people, uh, let us know. We're going to try to find some places this week for our church to be able to serve and help um, and just love our community through this. Um, thanks for checking in today. Our benediction today, you can say it with me, you can listen, it's coming up on the screen. I think we got it, there it is. Um, here's the encouraging words from 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor, however small or big it is, your labor is not in vain. Have a blessed Sunday. We will see you next week, whether it's online or out in our parking lot or both. Um, Have a blessed Sunday. Be safe. Continue to pray for one another and loving one another. Be bold and immovable. Have a blessed Sunday.